We're not all beer drinking cheeseheads. There you go. <laughs> From frozen custard in Milwaukee to blues in Chicago, this is the Midwest. I'm Monika Raymond, a travel journalist and member of Marriott Bonvoy Traveler. On this podcast, we take you on the best kind of road trip, one where the end point is not the end goal. Today, we're driving along the western coast of Lake Michigan. You might not normally think of golden shorelines when you think of the Midwest, but that's just what today's episode is all about. We're not all about like cheese and cornfields. There is a lot more to view in the Midwest. Midwesterners in general are just um, kind of salt of the earth kind of people, very easy, relaxed. The fact that his dad knows some of my friends and this one knows that one and, and, and the connectedness, that's invaluable. Here you're back, you're comfortable. They're just nicer people, I think. Today, we'll get to know some of those people as we drive between Green Bay, Wisconsin and Chicago, Illinois. We'll start our day off on the water in Sheboygan, Wisconsin to learn about sailing from a local organization that's making the sport accessible to all. Then we'll cool off in Milwaukee at the oldest frozen custard stand in Wisconsin. Finally, we'll swing by Rose's Lounge for some Chicago blues from a legendary local artist. That's all to come, so buckle up. As we hit the road starting at Green Bay, we'll head south on Route 43 towards the west coast of Lake Michigan. This 1,600-mile shoreline is home to some of the largest freshwater sand dunes in the world, making this strip of beach and surrounding towns truly one of a kind. In just an hour, we'll arrive at our first destination, Sheboygan, or the Malibu of the Midwest. As we pull up to the South Pier and hop out of our car, we're greeted by the vast expanse of Lake Michigan. This body of water is so big that you might be fooled into thinking we're standing in front of an ocean. One thing that's unmistakable, though, is the smell. It smells really nice. Like this weird, like, mix between dead fish and fabulous, unique nature smells. This is Maya McWhorter. She's a local teen and she's visually impaired. But more than anything, Maya loves to sail. I like it on it's very wavy and windy because you can go fast. Um, so that can be kind of rough and uh, it's very fun that way. But on calmer days, it's just a nice like recreational thing to do. Maya is able to go sailing through a local nonprofit called Sailing Education Association of Sheboygan, or SEAS for short, an organization dedicated to getting everybody out on the water, regardless of ability. A teacher of mine had uh, said this would be great, you know, for us to do as a group of some other kids that are also blind. And I really liked it. Most other activities I was very deterred from because people get very confused generally of what my needs are. The SEAS method for accommodating visually impaired sailors is called adaptive sports. For Maya, this means that every time she's out on the water, she's accompanied by her coach, Juju, who gives her specific directions to adjust for the rapidly changing conditions on the water. So I get there, and then I have to put the sail up on the, on the mast, which means I have to climb on the front of the boat, which scares my mother a lot, but I love it. I think it's great. I feel like a pirate every time I do it. And then I am usually the one steering the boat, so then while we are out, she will give me clock face directions. So she'll say, OK, I want you to keep the boat at like 12 o'clock from like the lighthouse. 
Learning the ins and outs of sailing is a good time for sure, but it's also much more. Here's Maya's mom. It's so inspiring to watch. It's breathtaking because Maya can take this boat a mile out and bring it back. And it's it's just for a parent who has a visually impaired child, you know, they tell you when they're young, you'll, they'll never be able to drive a car, you know, rites of passage. But like, that isn't Maya's challenge. Like, boating, sailing has no boundaries for her. We've seen in the last two years since Maya's been sailing with seas, just maturity even, and just taking leadership roles. And I just think it has a lot to do with, you know, having this amazing ability to be able to take this, you know, huge boat and to navigate it in waters that are unfamiliar. It's just so neat to watch her. She's in her groove her smile is from ear to ear, and it's so wonderful to watch that happiness. And if we didn't live here, we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to do this. Wow. Who would have thought that Sheboygan had such a vibrant sailing community? Honestly, it's so inspiring to see how the crew over at Seas are so dedicated to financial and physical accessibility for an activity that traditionally has been super exclusive. We'll hop back into our car and make our way towards Milwaukee, Wisconsin, along Route 43. If you want to catch some art and take a short walk, make a quick detour to Linden Sculpture Garden in River Hills. Otherwise, it's an hour to our next stop, and I hope you're hungry. Froyo lovers, beware, because we're entering dairy country and there's no skimping or substitutions here. I ordered simply the uh, raspberry sundae. I'm just getting a regular cheeseburger and then the zombie sundae. Frozen butter? I mean, just delicious, creamy, refreshing, wonderful. Heaven. <laughs> this is Gillis Frozen Custard, a local institution that's been serving a pure, creamy goodness for generations. The most important thing to remember when visiting Gillis do not ask for ice cream. We sell custard here. It's not ice cream, it's not ice cream, and it's still not ice cream. <laughs> this is Tom Linscott, the owner of Gillis Frozen Custard, the first ever frozen custard stand in Wisconsin. Since its founding in 1973, Gillis has been a staple in the community. Now, if you're wondering how frozen custard is different from ice cream, you're not alone. But I'll leave that answer to the expert. So it's a way denser, heavier product creamier. Um, we also use uh, egg yolk solids that help put off melting. It just makes a totally different creamy experience. Gillis has flavors from banana cashew crunch to orange dreamsicle, but they also like to experiment. Sometimes you'll catch barbecue pulled pork or Jameson custard, and they even take flavor suggestions. I don't have favorite anythings. I'm a mood guy. And it's like, what am I in the mood for? And um, a lot of times it's vanilla, and then I go back and have another little dish. I'm like, well, I think I need some vanilla with malt powder on it. I'm thinking, well, I should probably have some malt powder and then some chopped nuts. My dad would bring some of the mix home and on summer nights, and we'd put it in those little hand crank ice machines. You see, Tom's dad started working for Gillis when he was just 17. And by the 70s, he took over the stand and brought Tom in to help out. Now, he's passing the business along to his son, Willie. He's way more diplomatic than his father, and <laughs> he's 
he's uh, he does an excellent job of working with people and inspiring people. So I'm really proud to have him back. Over the years, Gillis has meant a lot to more than just Tom's family. The frozen custard stand is a cornerstone of the Milwaukee community. I mean, we've got kids that are third generation that are working for us. Um, kids that I've worked with who have had their kids and come here and work for us and people that come in from out of town and were their first stop. A lot of people are really grateful for this place and, and really have a strong emotional bond to it. And that, that it's the only word I can come up with is incredibly humbling. You can't put a money value on that. It's, it's just very enriching for the heart. Now that you've had enough frozen custard for the both of us, it's time to get back in the car and head to the final stop of our road trip. We're headed to Chicago to meet up with Toronto Cannon, a local blues ambassador to get the lay of the land. A great way to experience Chicago's culture and history more intimately is to head to a blues club. And I have just the place for you. A short walk from Logan Square will bring you to a colorful mural of a blues man in a green suit. If you reach that, you've arrived at Rosa's Lounge. At Rosa's, we're transported back in time to the early years of Chicago blues clubs. A man lost his spouse. She's pushing up days now he can't pay the bills. And now he lost his house. Insurance. Just picture it. Being hugged in by the old brick walls while enjoying the smooth sounds of a guitar. The gravelly voices of the performers fill the space. Candles and stage lights make silhouettes of the people around you. The atmosphere is intimate, electric, and unlike any other. Um, I've had underwear thrown on stage before. <laughs> so, you know, that's the blues. Uh, but, I mean, generally it looks like just everybody's, you know, they're hanging on my every word because I'm more of a storyteller kind of blues man. Toronzo Cannon is a proud Chicago native and professional blues musician. He also may be one of the coolest guys ever. I'm from Chicago, and uh, I'm 53 years old, former bus driver <laughs> for 27 years, and uh, a blues man. People have seen me drive the bus, and they think it's funny that a guy that just got through rocking 2,000 people in Europe somewhere is now driving a bus, and it's like, that's the blues. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? While Toronzo has been playing music professionally for most of his adult life, blues has been a part of it since he was a kid. Grew up on the south side of Chicago by some famous blues clubs that I didn't know were famous until I started playing blues. My uncles used to go to a place called Teresa's Lounge down on 48th in Indiana. But as a kid, I couldn't, of course, I couldn't get in, but I used to kind of peek through the door. And then you hear about all these stories that these, like, very... Uh, famous places on the South Side. And it's like, oh, wow, my uncles, they used to, man, they used to hang out down there, you know. So that's where all, all my full circle moments come from, being a blues man. Teresa's Lounge closed in 1983, but the club would inspire a generation of music lovers, including Tony Mangiulo. It was just the blues bug bit him, and he opened up a club. That club was Rosa's Lounge. And when Toronto comes to Rosa's, he doesn't just play any old style of blues. He plays Chicago blues. It can get a little bit more, um, what's the word, raucous. <laughs> you know, people get a little bit more excited. It just got a little bit more louder here. And then you, got, you add horns, because they had horns here in Chicago, too, you know. And it just, 
And it just got just loud and bigger and uh, more brash, you know. The creators of Chicago blues, however, weren't natives of the city. Like the style of Chicago blues, its founding fathers Muddy Waters and Buddy Guy, just to name a couple, came up to Chicago from the South with a story. This was during the Great Migration, when many African-Americans moved north starting in the 1920s. My grandparents were part of the Great Migration. Um, you know, they come from down south, who come up for a better living in the big city. You know, there was more jobs available. So they would come up here and, you know, like I said, have their fish fries on Friday. They'll bring the customs from down south, but it's just, again, a different type of living. It's faster. You can't avoid it, but there was racism in the city, especially Chicago, you know. Uh, there was things happening that, you know, you couldn't go on certain sides of town after night, you know, and, uh, but hey, you stay in your own neighborhood and you have fun, you make fun your way, you know. But that's the way it is. And you write songs about it, you live that experience, and that's the blues. While blues is more of an old-school style, it's people like Toronto and places like Rosa's that keep the spirit of blues fresh and alive. People still come from all over the world to see what Chicago blues musicians have to offer. And again, that's why I kind of took up the space of, I'm, gonna, I'm, a, I'm not just a blues man, I'm a Chicago blues man. And everywhere I go, everybody know I'm from Chicago. Things are not always what they seem. Toronzo shared some other great stops for blues music when visiting Chicago. Buddy Guy's Legends, Space, and Fitzgerald's. We'll leave Rosa's humming the tunes from Toronzo all the way to our hotel for the night, the Sheraton Grand Chicago. This hotel is right on Lake Michigan and just steps away from Navy Pier and Millennium Park in the famous Streeterville neighborhood. And I'd say that the best way to view the Chicago River is while dipping in the hotel's indoor heated pool, especially during the wintertime. Just like that, we've reached the end of our Lake Michigan road trip. We hope you've enjoyed these stories across a region that shouldn't be overlooked. It's a very diverse culture and um, people love the arts, people love the outdoors. We get every season. We get four seasons. Mm -hmm. It's not hot all year round. It's not cold all year round. There are so many things to be seen and, and, and visit and do from the microbrews and restaurants and farms and the parks, the nature, the rivers. It's really phenomenal. And if you're still with us, here's a little tip for when you visit Milwaukee. If Wisconsinite tells you this... Go get a drink at the bubbler. Well, that's just local slang for a water fountain. I'm your host, Onika Raymond. See you next time on The Open Road. About the Journey is produced by Marriott Bonvoy Traveler, At Will Media, and me, Onika Raymond. Our Marriott producers are Robin Benefield and Jess Moss. Our At Will Media producers are Mitch Bluestein, Christy Westgard, Elliot Davis, Naila Andre, Drew Beebe, and Tina Turner. Thanks to our guests on this episode for sharing their stories along the route. For links to C's, Gillis Frozen Custard, and Rose's Lounge, check out our show notes. You can learn more about this route from Green Bay to Chicago and get other road trip ideas from Marriott Bonvoy Traveler at traveler.marriott.com or in the show notes. And if you like this episode of About the Journey, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.